Okay, six-pack lap of that. We got co-hosts this time. Arian, Messi, Kamesi, and Arian. We got the machine in the house. Sleet yeah. the machine. Sleet, you know what was amazing? I remember you posted in your Instagram stories one time. You're like, um, it was a picture of you, and you're like, fuck, my boss just called me Selene the machine. <laughs> you're like, how the fuck did this happen? How did they find out? Yeah. Yeah, apparently her son power lifts and he like follows me on Instagram. So that was really that kind of is amazing. But uh um, like, Mom, yeah. do you know who Celine is? <laughs> yeah. He's like, Oh, you work with Celine oh. the Machine. And she's like, What are you talking about? <laughs> when she like when she but, saw it, is she like, Oh my god. Like, do people at your work realize um that you're like an elite level power lifter? Um, I don't think so. I mean, like, I I tell them, I keep them updated, but I don't know. Like, I think I think my manager does because her her kid is so excited about it. But um, she's probably the only one. So I don't know. That n- nobody at my work really lifts. So like, I tell them numbers, yeah. but they're, it doesn't really mean much to them. So like for you know them, like two hundred pound deadlift is probably like, oh my god, she's so strong. You're like, what? That's my warm up. That's like right. my <laughs> Like, what are you serious? Yeah. Like, I could tell them anything and they'd be like, wow. <laughs> so, you know. Exactly. Um, and, and how old is, is your boss's son? He's about my age. So, 24-ish, 25 maybe. And he's maybe. into, like, powerlifting? Yeah, but he's more of, like, a USPA. Oh. Uh, Federation say less. guys. Say, say so. less. I can't <laughs> say less. God yeah. bless. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's still cool that he's still like, is like, holy shit, lean the machine. It's it's um, yeah. yeah. Even trying to explain like a freaking powerlifting to people outside of powerlifting, even like explaining to them the difference between USAPL, USPA. Um, PA and all the different federations, people are like, what the shit? And I don't even bother. I'm like, never mind, man. Just whatever. This it's so like we're so into our little community. Um, but once you put your phone down, the rest of the world doesn't know any of this stuff. There's like, yeah, you lift heavy, heavy yeah. shit, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Right. Like before I before I lifted, my now husband used to lift. Um. And he actually got me into it, but he would like go to the gym and then tell me what he did. And it really meant nothing to me until like I actually went to the gym with him and like watched him put all the weight on the bar. I was like, oh, that's that's what you're doing. Does so, he, is, he, is he a power lifter as you know, well? He is. Oh, nice. Yeah. Um, he does more like he's more in the local scene, um, but he's strong. I mean. He's very strong. He's probably top. Yeah, he's like top 10 in South Carolina. I mean, it's all, everything's relative. Like we're talking, um, you know, I remember a while back, like it was a few years ago now, but I did a podcast with a guy who was crunching data and statistics for powerlifters. And he was showing what the top 5% in the world were, like the numbers they would have for every single weight class. And then the top 1% in the world and um, and the difference between and like top five percent in the world is is a, like that's elite. Like who's kid who, right? And then the top one yeah. percent, the difference between the top five and the one percent was fucking insane. Like 
people didn't realize how competitive they actually were. They thought, because you take a look at like King of the List and you're like, um, oh my God, I suck. Like these people, the, the numbers are pushing are insane. But it's like, no, no, no. This is the top tip of the spear, elite level across the world people. And they're like the one percenters. But you could be top 5% in the world and so far back from them but you're actually like one of the top 5% in the world and you don't realize like how good you actually are. And to be like, so, and this dude started making um, like classifications. So here's a one percenter, here's a five percenter, here's if you're the top 10%. And um, so many people were listening to the podcast and replying to me like, holy shit, man, I'm really strong. Like I'm like, <laughs> compared to, I'm like, listen, if you're even a middle of the pack power lifter, Compare you to people walking the street who go to the gym and you are like Superman to them. You are like, like people don't realize oh, yeah. you are ex- exponentially stronger than everybody you're going to meet. So um, I know you mean we're like, mm-hmm. yeah, you, your your husband would be like, look, he's he's not uh, like Taylor Atwood or some shit, but he's strong kid. You know, he goes to the gym. He's going to be a one percenter type deal. Oh, yeah. And like he could walk into any gym and everyone would be yeah. amazed, you know, like. Unless it's like a top level. Yeah, well, it's you gym, corrupted. But... You walk into corrupted strength. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. It's just another right. another dude. But yeah. yeah. Do you do you, what gym do you train at? So, I train at TriFit Barbell. It's like a little gym in South Carolina. No, nobody's ever heard they, of it, they, but they are now. Now they have sleeping <laughs> machines there. <laughs> now yeah. they have. Yeah. Is there like a lot of powerlifters there? But, uh, yeah, it's mostly a powerlifting gym, but they also have like Olympic weightlifting and CrossFit and also just people that are there to, you know, just build yeah. fitness. Um, but all of the like the owners of the gym, they provide like coaching services. And so it's like it's a good setup. Um, it gets a lot of like local people into lifting with a barbell. So do you cool. like so I'm not sure, like, do you like training with people linking up with people going at the same time as other people or do you like smashing weights on your own i like to be on my own for the most part um i like to be like in the presence of people but like when i'm training i guess i don't like the distraction of like talking i like to like focus in like by myself basically uh, i ask like I ask this because I am like a big time extrovert, right? Like I'll, I love talking to people. Mm-hmm. And um, if I go to like an event, I'm going to be in the warm up room. I'm going to be floating around. It's like nighttime. And I'm like, who's hanging out? Where are we going? But when it comes to like when I lift, I prefer to lift on my own, which is like weird. So it's, it's yeah, it's weird. But I'm like, I prefer just to throw yeah. on a podcast or music and just do my own thing. And uh, that's like some, it isn't just across the board like that, right? And I'm not sure why I prefer to do it on my own. Maybe it is a distraction. Maybe it is like if I start talking, you know, it could be like five minutes between sets and I'm cooling down. I'm like, ah, this isn't, you know, or I just, I don't know. There's yeah. something too. I just don't want to talk to people when I'm smashing weights. <laughs> ah! I feel you. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm, I'm a big introvert, so it makes sense like for me but (laughs) yeah i don't i don't really know it's just i guess it's just preference i um yeah i posted that meme i like 
extroverts collect introverts as friends and, 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 dra- <laughs> and drag them out. Let's let's be friends and hang out. Um, I want to ask you about how, so how did you just recently you ended up moving into the the strength guys i've seen some shifts right like you're with the strength guys now and people were like um sliding my dms be like dude she's got she's with the strength guys she's got matt gary handling her for game day and i'm like sleet is making all these these moves and these are all like good moves to make like in terms of like um you know, somebody's going to use statistics and science to back the programming in terms of somebody as a, for the strength guys in terms like Matt Gary for a game day coach. And this dude is as legendary a game day coach as they come, right? If you're like game day coaching, who do you think of? You probably think of Matt Gary first and then start working from there. So what were some, how did you make those decisions? Like I'm going to move in with the strength guys. I'm going to choose Matt Gary. How did these decisions come about? So I guess like starting with the strength guys, um, the main thing was, so like I was coached by Dawson Windham before the strength guys. And I just, I felt like I didn't have enough support like on meet days. Um, and I really wanted to be a part of a team, like, and feel like I'm a part of something bigger. And so I really liked I was interested in the strength guys because of their like data-driven approach and you know I'm I'm an engineer Mm. so like I'm big into like the numbers and the data and so I wanted to see what that was all about like I only knew like from what I saw on social media about like their their programming and I was just interested in learning more about it and so um, that's why I chose them and then actually for like the game day coaching um you know, all of them were in South Africa. This is true. <laughs> so, <is> true. Uh, <laughs> yes. Um, so they actually chose Matt Gary uh, to work with me because, you know, they know he's a he's a really great game day coach. And so I had heard great things about him. So I was obviously very happy with that decision. <laughs> um, but yeah, I just felt like it was time to level up because I felt like I kept falling kind of short um, for reasons that that could have been in my control, but I just was choosing, you know, not to take that next level. So so I guess I just decided, you know, it was time for for a change and that's that's the direction yeah, I went. When, um, <laughs> I mean, it's funny that everybody was in South Africa and they're like, we got you somebody. It's like, who you got? Matt <laughs> yeah. Gary. All right, say less. We're probably good. We're, if it's if it's like a close battle with somebody, mm-hmm. and um, like people don't realize sometimes game day coaching can make a huge difference if it's a close battle. If it's like a big spread, it, you know, yeah. a spread's a spread. You can't Matt Gary can't make you stronger, but he can make the proper decisions when it's mm-hmm. time to make proper decisions. He can know the rules, understand lot numbers and chips and how these things play out. He can approach the jury. Uh, to contest lifts and he could like he'll do all those things right and he could actually judge um okay this is where you're at come game day and some people too like matt gary did he hop on video conference with you and have some meetings with you leading into this yeah he did we made a plan before we got this is like matt gary approaches game day handling like very professionally like he like, um, mm-hmm. yeah, he'll have meetings with people and be like, okay, in this scenario, what should we do? In that scenario, what do you think we should do? 
um, and just sort this out because you got 60 seconds. For some people, you know, it's if are we pulling for gold or are we pulling for podium if it means you might fall off the podium if you miss the gold medal pull. Like, let's sort this out ahead of time. We could change that on the day of, but let me get your vibe right now. So then afterwards, you know, there is no posts about, <laughs> well, miscommunication. <laughs> you know what I mean? You do your best right. anyways, but... um yeah, I got nothing but good things to say about Matt Gary. Now, the strength guy is obviously a good. Arian's, yeah, so-so. But um, strength guy is pretty good. But, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, when you first started power, so how did you start first start powerlifting, actually? It's 2018 when you first had your competition, right? Yes. Um, so, like I said, like, my husband uh, was powerlifting before I was, and he got me into it. Um, but, like, I guess... He started it in college, like, he just met some guys that like to lift, and they would go to the gym, and at that time, like, I was, like, a cardio junkie, like, I used to, like, get on him and be, like, you know, you need to do some cardio, like, you're you're not doing enough for, like, your heart health, and, like, you're, you're unhealthy, like, I seriously believed, like, if you're not, you know, training in a certain way, doing cardio, then... You're just not doing it right. So, um, so like one day, I guess it was like the end of like my freshman year of college. Um, I decided like I wanted to learn how to squat because like I wanted to like grow some leg muscle, you know. Um, and so I went to the gym with him and he was like loading all this weight on the bar for himself. And I was, it was just like amazing, like watching like seeing the bar bend a little bit Mm. and like I was like are you sure like are you sure this is safe like and I I don't know I was just hooked immediately because I just thought it was really cool and I I wanted to get stronger and um yeah that's that's pretty much I mean you weren't wrong in terms of like uh like cardio like fitness for the heart I mean that's legit you Mm -hmm. can um for sure it'll it'll help and you can get in phenomenal shape and there's something to be said for that too but I know you mean where when you yeah. go to the gym and you see, like, I still remember when I first started finding out about powerlifting and you see that bar, like you said, bending a little bit. You're like, oh, shit, what's going on here? And you're like excited and intrigued, but a little nervous at the same time. Right. There's, that's like the beginning of all good things. Where you're like, oh, man, this is this could be something. And um, and the, the person you're watching is shifting that weight. And it looks cool, and you're like, fucking strength is like, I don't know, it's a, it's like a, it's like an asset to have where you walk around like it's like something you have in your back pocket. It's almost like a secret too, because people don't necessarily know how strong you are. So when you go to like a gym that doesn't know you're a powerlifter, and you start loading up some weights, and you can look around the room and kind of see like, holy shit, this girl's strong, and all of a sudden. It, it definitely like makes you feel powerful. Right. Yeah. You know? It's empowering. <laughs> so. And, and yeah. you carry yourself differently once you, you know, when you start gaining strength like that for sure. Um, so it was your now husband at the time, boyfriend, who got you into powerlifting. And yeah. this was 2018 range. I guess that would have been like 2017. And I was actually the one to say, like, we should do a, a competition. Because, I don't know, I guess I just, I got real into it, and I started researching, like, powerlifting and competing. And then I, like, worked with a few people who um, 
were competing in powerlifting. And so I guess, I don't know, all the stars were just, like, aligning, and I was like, we need to do this. Like, And at the time, I, I wasn't even... I mean, I was not sure. I know, I see your open power so, thing. I was like, holy smoke, she's come a long way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but, like, I never felt that I wasn't strong. Like, to me, like, throughout my whole powerlifting journey, I've been like, I am strong. Like, even when I wasn't, like, I was, like, <clears throat> relatively, like, I never thought that I wasn't. So, right. I mean, I, I had no fear. Like, I was like, let's do a meet, and I don't care how I stack up, like, let's just do it. And so we all did a meet together and that so was So it was you one. who actually, so your boyfriend <laughs> was squatting in bed, like doing the power lifts, but he wasn't competing yet. Yeah. Yeah, he was like saying he wasn't strong enough. Like he wanted to wait and and I I was like, what are you talking about? Like, let, let's just That's do it. That's <laughs> amazing. Here's the thing, it's true so. though. Like how many people are always like, man, I'm not strong enough, let's wait. That's like so common and yeah. you could wait forever. The problem with powerlifting, like just like we said in the in the get-go, is this because what you're seeing online that you think you are not strong enough? Because online is not reality, it's, it's reality, but it's the tip of the spear. You may never become a 1% mm -hmm. or a 5%er, but you will absolutely be stronger than you are now and you will continue to get stronger and improve. And it's like, it sounds corny and cheesy, but it's true. It's self-improvement. You are going to get stronger if you lift the weights. You are going to improve and you'll have a blast. You'll meet people. But it's tough because social media to an extent, you know, comparison robs you of possible moments like that, right? It gets intimidating. Oh, yeah. It is, yeah. And I mean, I guess I always tried to look at it like, like as motivation, like all these people that are so much stronger than me. Um, I never, I guess I never really felt discouraged from it. I was always like, I want to do that one day. It, it's such a so, healthy way of looking at life. Like, um, <clears throat> to be like, look at all these people stronger than you. And you're like, yeah, I know that motivates me. I'm, I'm encouraged. I, that's awesome. I'm glad they're there. Like, it's, it's not, it's just a different way of looking at things. Um, and some people have yeah. that and some people don't necessarily, I think initially like around 2017 range, is where we started seeing a boom in women's powerlifting as well. Like the participation rates in women's powerlifting since I began has been like astronomical, like exponential growth. It is crazy. <laughs> Even since 2017, like when you got involved in powerlifting in 2017, who were some of the people that when you hopped online, you started noticing like, oh, if I could be like that or, or, or not necessarily be like that, but look up to or whatever. Um, so I guess, like, I really looked up to the people, like, in my weight class. Um, so at that time, it was, like, Maddie Forberg. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Like, she was, like, the top junior, like, 57 kilo whenever I first started powerlifting. And now she's, like, in bodybuilding. But, um, yeah, it was mostly, like, her and I guess, like, Meg squats like she was really big in USA powerlifting at that time. Um, yeah, pretty much just like like what, those yeah. two. <laughs> Meg squats um, mm -hmm. at a time. I'm not sure what she's doing as much right now, but there was a time when her content was extremely powerlifting driven. Like she was hitting PRs, oh, yeah. like she was doing all the power lifts and doing like a lot of like interviews, right? Like she would be on site 
at these meets with a microphone and camera and like interviewing big time power lifters. Is she still doing stuff like that? I don't think so. Right. She, well, she had a baby and she also, she started like a supplement gotcha. company, um, buff chicks supplements, I think. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so she, <laughs> So she's doing more. She's still getting people into like lifting with a barbell. Um, that's still her main focus. But obviously, she's not like a competitive power mm. lifter anymore. Yeah. So, but I still think what she's doing is like really good uh, for the sport because she is getting people, you know, to squat and deadlift. I mean, yeah, for sure. It's like sometimes mm-hmm. too, your focus changes in life, like period, right? So that's, you might not be so yeah. much just like the sport of powerlifting driven, but strength training and, and kind of blossoming just as like life goes on, man. Um, but I remember there was like Kimberly Walford. I remember she had Gracie V on one of her videos back in the day. Like she would do some pretty good interviews where, and I remember Gracie V, I think being on one of her, her videos and they were talking about like, full on open disclosure about PEDs and women in PEDs and like Meg squats. Like, yeah. And like Grace V was like, here's what happened to my body. Here's some of the things that people don't tell you when you're a woman on PEDs. Um, and it was like some hard hitting shit. The girl I was with at the time was all in on the Meg squats as well. 2017, 18, if you were a power lifter, um, Meg squats did a lot, uh, you know, she did a lot for, especially, uh, for like to help popularize women's powerlifting, she was like, if I remember, I think she still has this on her Instagram bio, but like her goal is to put a barbell in every woman's hands. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. It, mm-hmm. it, uh, yeah. <laughs> a lot of the interviews she had was with women. It was good, man. It was solid powerlifting content. Like think she still is just maybe not quite as powerlifting driven, but, um, yeah, okay. she would have like some for really real interviews though. This one with Gracie V was extremely eye opening. Um, but yeah, so that's why around 2017 was like a lot, a huge influx. I think of like a lot of the stars we have now, like yourself started around this era. And that's why a lot of people, right. if you ask them, who are you following when you came in? I bet you make squats is a massive influence to bring them in. Oh yeah. Um, I really liked like that era of powerlifting, like <laughs> There was like Ray Williams and like he was real yeah. big then and uh, you know I don't know it was just like a fun time and I really looked up to all those people so it's and they're they're like still relevant today so that's what's yeah cool about but it. there's nothing like I know what you mean it's um 2017 18 range was it was like a different time man like I even like King of Lifts itself was only I started it in 2016 so it was only like a year two years in. And everything felt kind of uh, like newish, like uh, like the streams. It was still relatively like we were still just getting better and better at the live streams. Um, I don't know, man. Everybody was uh, everyone was in the same federation. Not everyone's in the same federation, but like the federations <laughs> were together. Um, yeah. So, like in terms of that, politically, I was so naive. It's weird how like you don't know what you have until things start getting sideways on you. Like at the time, I wouldn't have known, like because we we're just all together, and you just like have like um. Yeah. Now that you're split, you look back at that era, and you're like, "Fuck, man, we were like all together at one point." It was like, you know. And things were just a stitch simpler, it feels like. Like um, when you look at some of the social media, the social media wasn't quite as big for everybody, but it wasn't 
it also wasn't quite as like grimy at times. <laughs> there is, it's things are different right now. Things are definitely different than the 2017 range. Um, it's funny how it's like not a long time ago, but we're reminiscing like it was back in the day. Yeah, and like I was, I was still a new powerlifter at that time, so. I guess I wasn't like big into all the social media then. Like that, that took a few years to like start listening to the podcasts mm. and keeping up with the the drama and all that stuff. So, to me, I just saw like the big stars and like it was just cool to look up to them. And yeah, being I guess the last like few years have been just weird with with the whole yeah. split in the United States. So, I don't it's, know. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, I don't love it. It's but. fucking unfortunate. That's to say the least. Yeah. Um, but I'm, yeah. yeah, I remember going into powerlifting too and not giving a shit about the social media as much or like you were aware, but you just weren't right. aware of like the nitty gritties. Like you were aware of like, um, there was a time on social media where it was straight up just lifting. That's cool. That's wild to say. Cause now it's like this, yeah. this click and that click and this camp and that camp and this, there are beasts here and there and like weird shit. This wasn't like in 2000, it wasn't, right. there's was always a little sprinkle of that, but nowhere near <clears throat> as much. Not on social media yet. Yeah. Now you've got like, like everyone's got like a good camera and everyone's making like all these hype videos and it almost like. Like, it's cool, and it, it was a lot cooler at first, because now I feel like everybody's doing yeah. it. So it's kind of, it kind of is watering it down, maybe. Um, but I don't know. I, I I do miss the times where it was more just, like, look how much I'm lifting. It was simpler like, times, for sure. Like, no. if you don't, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, because there's, like, pressure. I mean, look at if I'm honest, I'm probably part of the problem when we're talking about this <laughs> but i mean there's pressure on lifters to level up in terms of their social media right because like um i remember yeah. me and pete spence from spd talking to delaney wallace at pa nats when he's about to go to worlds and we're like dog you gotta level up on your social media man you're a phenomenal lifter <laughs> but you post twice a year and nobody could get to know you and then he ended up like hiring a video editor because he's Dillian Wallace is like a financial accountant. He's got like, you know, a good solid day job where he's got money coming in. So he's like, all right, I'll put a little money aside and, and do this. And his video started becoming like, Oh my gosh. Um, but I know you mean where it's like, uh, now it's like an expectation <laughs> as opposed to something special. Where like, if you're a phenomenal lifter, people are right. like, your camera sucks. <laughs> it's like, well, I'm a fucking videographer. What do you want from me? Right. Yeah. It's kind right. of different than like 2017 yeah. range. Um, when you started powerlifting too, so who was 2017-18 in the 63s? Is it the Sam Calhoun, Jen Thompson type era? And oh, yeah, those ladies are still here for God's sake. Jen yeah. Thompson refuses to go away. She's 49 years old. <laughs> what is going on here? I know. And like Jen Milliken oh, yeah. too. She's still Jen around, Milliken was so. actually the best lifter of 2017 in Belarus. Um, and it was, it's, uh, I rem around that era too, when you showed up at the world championships, you knew people from social media, but there was no single one person that was like a Russell or he, you know what I mean? Where like, it's like, 
holy <laughs> shit, that's like there's no like like Jessica Bittner. Like there was Jessica Bittner, but she wasn't Jessica Bittner yet. You know, like there was. Yeah, they're like right, celebrities yeah. now. That, so. that didn't exist yet. Everybody was more kind of like yeah. meeting each other. Like, oh, you're you're so and so from this country or whatever. Like, if I show up the world championships, that's what it was like. As opposed to now, when you show up at the world championships, there's levels to this game. Like, you go into the warm up room. Yeah, there are some people like, oh, you're so and so from this place, and there's other people where it's like, oh my god, Leah Babo, I just walked in the room. It is, you know what I mean, where it's like, it's different now. And there's like, um, I don't know, I guess to an extent, the bigger the sport gets, it has to happen. I mean, I think it's a good sign that, you know, people are getting excited about all these lifters and they're able to like profit on it and, you know, become like public figures. I think it it means that people care about powerlifting. And powerlifters care, so you know. And I think it's cool. you're um, like the bigger the star you are, the more influential you are. Like what's happening in France right now, mm-hmm. the bigger that like Aliyah Babwa gets and her um, ability for crossover appeal to like, like someone like yourself when you first started getting into powerlifting and you come across Aliyah Babwa's account and you're like, freak me. This is what I'm talking about. You're like, I want, you were like, I want to put on a little bit of muscle. Then all of a sudden I got trigged with strength. And so if you come across Leah Babwa and you're like, well, that's it. That's, that's exactly what I'm looking for. Like I could be like Leah Babwa and, right. um, and it's attainable. Like, like she's incredibly strong, but it is like, it helps recruit. They're like our biggest recruiters. Like when you have big stars like that, putting out content and breaking down stigmas and actually showing now there's a, there's an actual sport you could participate in and, um, so it helps when they start getting big like that, but yeah, it's a yin and a yang, man. It's, it's, uh, you could, have you started feeling because obviously you just won the USAPL Nats. Are things starting to change for you a little bit? Yeah. One second. <laughs> um, I would say probably not so much like things are are mostly the same um I think it's really that like world stage that gets you the most attention like um because then you've got the whole world watching you like like I have the United States attention but um you know I I should probably also step up my social media game Uh, you know, you do your social media is pretty good. Actually, you post relatively often. Um, and you do like ask yeah. me anything in the whole nine. Like this is, you know, it's, I know what you mean too. Like powerful things. It's a big sport, but then when you go on to like the global market, you have us plus, you know, the rest of the world. So that's when certain people, mm-hmm. or like if you end up, but USAPL Nats is still a big showdown for sure. But, um, It's just different. It sucks that it's splinter because ordinarily other years you have that plus worlds in the same year. And now you're rocking and rolling. Mm -hmm. Like you would have both. (laughs) You could be like, you know, earlier in the year do one and then later on in the year do the other. But um, yeah, I think the more you, you keep competing and building, the more people are going to start following and, and, you know, being intrigued with your storyline. This Megan ass for you was particularly a little bit crazy because you got married leading into this. 
which is was this yeah. when you when it was happening leading to the snaps? First off, a clash with like you had Natalie Richards, you had uh, Caitlin Barry, you had. Let's talk. Let's back it up. Let's talk about the decision to go into this weight class in particular, because USCPL changed their weight classes. Mm-hmm. Um, so the decision on that particular weight class. Why did you decide that one? And uh, how tough was it to make sixty kilo? And how comfortable were you? Were you with it? So I had been competing like around. Well, I was at like sixty three kilos um, until. USA powerlifting like switched the weight classes and so then I had to pick between either 60 or 67 and a half and I'm really most comfortable at 63 or 62 63 and so I really did not want to cut but um, when Nats rolled around I realized that if I stayed like 67 and a half like I'd, I'd be really light in that weight class And I didn't feel like I had enough time to, like, build enough strength to be competitive, I guess. Um, Like, you know, up there with, like, Sam Calhoun and Gabby Martinez. Um, And so then I also learned that Natalie Richards had moved up a weight class because she had been in 56 and she moved up to 60. And so, like, obviously I wanted to go against her again and that was kind of like the final push where I was like, you know, maybe I should cut down. And with the whole pro series thing, um, like your, your points matter. And so I thought the quickest way and the easiest way to like gain some, some dots points was just to like lose a few kilos. Like if I, I think I did the math and like, if I just like repeated my same total at 63 at like three kilos lighter, I would gain like, 25 dots points and so <laughs> I was like you know maybe that maybe that's the way to go and so so I cut weight and like it really wasn't that bad um I think so like I I had been a vegetarian for like 10 years until just like this last December I decided to start eating meat again and I think that actually made it easier because um, easier to lose weight because uh, I guess the meals, like the the protein sources were um, leaner and uh, I guess more filling than when I was a vegetarian. I was eating like a lot of like tofu and I was just getting very tired of like uh, the vegetarian like protein sources. And so... I think eating meat definitely helped, like, the cut be easier on me and on my body, and I was able to, like, get enough protein, and um, I was using, like, the RP Strength Mm. app, and that also really helped, Uh, and I I mean, before that, I had always used, like, MyFitnessPal, and the RP Strength app, like, it kind of just like told me what to, what macros to hit and I just hit him and I lost weight and it, it really wasn't bad at all. So like I would do it again probably, but I need like some time to build. And so like right now I'm, I'm just like gaining a little bit just so I can train with a little more, you know, beef on me. <laughs> um, but yeah, that, that was pretty much my logic at cutting down. It, um, 
well, like you, you, you essentially attained your goal. I mean, at so it makes sense yeah. that because when you were when you competed in six seven point five at the Arnold, you like that's the weight class you competed in. But just like you said, you were sixty three point two. So sixty three would have been your right. <laughs> on the money. So yeah, you could cut down. It's just it's tough. Sometimes it's tough for people to retain that strength. You ended up doing it. Your total was right around the money that you were going to be at 63. Um, I know you mean too about in terms of eating meats. Now I'm not big on eating a lot of red meat because um, Instagram robbed me yeah. of that. I freaking love like <laughs> anyone who follows my personal account. I spam dog videos and shit like that. I'm, whatever. I'm that dude. It is what it is. But Instagram's like, Oh, you like, you like dog videos, huh? You might like cat, like, videos of dogs interacting with cows you might like this cute video of like a pig and then i see pigs domesticated and i'm like oh they're like dogs they're smart and i'm like fuck i can't have cow- i can't eat cows and pigs now man it, it, instagram ruined me so now i'm eating like chicken and fish but um in terms of uh satiating an appetite yeah like uh there's nothing like meat like meat sits in your stomach and it's it's not the worst thing in the world to take take a while to actually digest. You feel full longer. So when you sit down, I know what you mean when you say like for a protein source, if you have a meat, it'll like, you're going to feel after, if I have a like a, a plate full of chicken and vegetables, I could be stuffed for that evening, man. But if I have like, I don't eat a lot of tofu, but I would assume I'd smash tofu and then smash it again an hour later. Like, you know, it's, it's, it's yeah. kind of... You could shift it a little bit. Mm-hmm. I I definitely feel fuller longer, like when I eat meat, and I'm I don't eat like red meats either. I I just eat chicken and fish mainly. Um, I mean, if there's like some red meat, like thrown in there, like some bacon, oh, I might eat a little bit you. of it. But... <laughs> center center <laughs> to videos. You know, it... no, I'm gonna <laughs> <laughs> it. I'm going to ruin this for you. He can be like, I can't do it. Damn it, Ryan. Um, but like, listen, chicken literally are like freaking dinosaurs and they will kill each other. They're terrible <laughs> things. And fish are, are morons. They have no, they have no, so I'm not talking dolphins. I'm talking fish. So that's it. Don't feel bad about that. But yeah. um, that's why sometimes when I see people eating meat like day of, and I'm like, that's going to take a while for your body to digest. You're not pulling the, the calories out of that meat. Like someone's eating meat after they weigh in and I'm like, dog, that's not going to do much for you. Like that'll, you know what I mean? I don't know if you think you're going to digest that and get the goods out of it and start using it for your squat in 45 minutes. Probably not. But um, yeah, how, how many, cal- did you, did your calories drop when you did that? Like, did you have to cut back on the calories or... Oh, like when I was yeah losing weight. three kilo body weight was it like like first off calories drop as well as did you mess around with water water manipulation? Um, so I did have to like eat less calories. Um, and I got like kind of hungry at the end of the cut, but it it still wasn't bad. And then I really only cut down to like sixty. Point five or somewhere in that range and then I did a like a small water cut the day before with the meat um and you know I've I've done much bigger water cuts than that so this was like nothing mm. really I just cut off water at a certain time and then 
The only weird thing was like it was prime time, so the weigh-ins were like 4 p.m. And so that day, I could really only eat like one meal, and then I was like at weight, and I was like, okay, well, guess I'll just hang out the rest <laughs> of the day. But um, but yeah, other than that, it you know just a little water cut, and it wasn't bad. But really, the main thing that that through me was the wedding <laughs> before the let's talk about that but first i just want to say when it comes to like a, a 4 p.m weigh-in i'm that dude who if i'm on body weight i'm like holding food in my hand okay this is half a pound and i'm sweating out half a pound and i'm smashing that food that's what i like about those later weigh-ins is like i'll sweat to eat like that's that, that's put, put me a half hour in the sauna if i could eat this but um so well yeah at that point it it really matters, like, what the food actually yeah, yeah. is. So, like, you can just, like, stand on the scale with, like, a handful of that's almonds. That's right. And like, like, like you, okay, you can... How many can That's I the eat? trick that people sometimes um, don't realize. Like, yeah, it's all about actual weight in inside of you and your stomach. So you literally mm-hmm. step on the scale holding... Like, you could have, like, yeah. like a, a bag of, like, salted peanuts or whatever the hell. And um, the calories in it could be very high cons- comparative to the weight in your body so you could literally step on the scale holding very calorie dense foods that are relatively light and be like i can i can eat this or if i'm slightly over how long will it take me to sweat that off like not long cool but how many calories will i have later on to actually lift a thousand more calories definitely worth it so this is like what some of those things yeah. were i mean i remember talking to people back in the day and they're like should you eat that that's like a thousand calories i'm like but dog it's like Two two hundred grams. Like I could sweat that. I don't care. I want the calories. Whereas if we're three weeks out, yeah, the crazy amount of calories my body will convert it to fat if I don't burn it up or whatever. Everything shifts. Like people who don't, who aren't used to this and haven't done it enough times, haven't like wrapped their head around all those little intangibles. Where it's like, no, no, day of everything is different. It's literally the weight of the food and the calories of it. High calories a bonus. Whereas three weeks out. It doesn't matter the weight of the food. It's how many calories are in it because what's your body going to do in terms of converting it? It's And then water manipulation and judging. Can I sweat this off and pack these calories in? It's a whole – it's a process that takes people a while. That's why if you get a good coach, a nutritionist – did you get a nutritionist? Uh, no. I – I just use that like RP strength. App. Do it your damn self, girl. That's what I would do uh, too. <laughs> but I mean, you're smart though. I mean, you're you're. Yeah. Uh, you said you're an engineer, right? So yes. you got your head on your shoulders. You know, you could do a little bit of research and and figure it out. Like, um, yeah, it's not. It is science. It's not rocket science, but there is a science behind it. But yeah. <laughs> but uh, so about the wedding yeah. though. Look at. I've seen some weddings that are like big and and it can be stress, stressful as shit, especially with the bride, because historically speaking, for what I see, it's the bride is going to be making a lot of arrangements, not all the time, but it'll be, it could be stressful as hell. And you got married right before. This is a very eventful month for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm exhausted. Yeah. So was this like... Uh, Let's talk about it. So leading in, you were training for a huge nationals, had a big clash with Natalie Richards. This is probably one of the biggest, if not the biggest clashes on the women's side. Um, Caitlin Barry's in there. Like this, you, you had a pretty stacked class. Um, and you were getting married 
on top of all this, when you first, did you know ahead of time, like obviously you're not necessarily going to move your wedding around for mega nats, but were you like, wow, this could be stressful. (laughs) (laughs) So I actually planned it this way because I thought like, you know, a few days before the, the competition, I'd be tapering and the training would be getting easier. And like, it seemed very doable, like looking back and I wanted to get married like soon. Um, and also before it got like super hot here in South mm-hmm. Carolina. So I was like May or June would be like a good time. And so I thought the least disruptive time to get married, like while I'm training for Nats, would be like a few days before, because that's when everything starts ramping down. Oh, Lord. Uh, <laughs> You'd also be but... like, I look, look, I'm be primed, ready for Nats. I'm going to look good. I'll feel good. Let's do this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but like in hindsight, it probably would have been better. Like, I don't know. Like, if I had done it after. Like, I feel like I would have been so stressed out, like, at the competition. Yeah. And but then you could eat. I don't know. I. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, at my wedding, we, we had, like, chicken and vegetables and, you know, so I could, I could eat, you know, it was fine, but... Everyone gets um, bodybuilding meals. But yeah. <laughs> Everyone's like, what the fuck? You have the calories beside all the all the meal options. People are like, what is going on right now? Hey, we had some good stuff too. Okay, we had mac and cheese oh, and, you know. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so I, I guess I like planned it this way. I don't know. I guess I'm crazy. Was it like, um, well, there, there's a benefit. Put it this way. Sometimes... If I have one thing going on in my life, which seems to be almost very rare if I'm spinning one pan in the air, but I'm hyper-focusing on that one thing. So what's happening with that one thing can be, it can feel like little things happening with it can be, can feel more stressful. How on the flip side, mm-hmm. if I have several pans spinning in the air, um, to an extent, it makes each of those tasks more perspective for them. Like for instance, like, if you're training for Nats, you're like, yeah, but I got a wedding. I got other things going on in my life. It actually helps bring down the stress of it and intensity of that one single aspect for all of them. Sometimes like it actually yeah. puts into, pers- it forces perspective upon you. Um, like life is big all around. There's a lot of things going on and it actually makes you not hyper-focus on one, two things. So if something starts messing up on in one of your endeavors, you're kind of like you have a lot of different endeavors to almost distract you or, or take away. I don't know. It, that's at least how it focuses on me. Some people, it could be too much and it feels like things are ganging up on you, piling up on you and you're like, holy fuck, this is a mistake. But for myself, sometimes multitasking, like if I have a lot of things coming down the pipeline, like there's like a bottleneck approach where it could be too many. But to an extent, I do have the ability to be like, not as stressed about one, any single one thing, you know, it. Right. And I was actually going to mention that because like, I feel like the wedding planning like kept me from stressing about nationals as much. Cause like I've done competitions before I've done nationals before. And so like that felt like familiar to me, but I'd never planned an event for like over a hundred people. And so 
like by having to focus so hard on wedding planning, like it made me less stressed. Like I'm a stressful person. And so like the anxiety around competing can like sometimes be a lot. And so it actually helped me like be less anxious about, you know, the competition. So I, I totally well, know like, what you um, mean. <laughs> like you wouldn't give a shit what Natalie's doing when you have to plan your way. Like people will be like, did you see Natalie's exactly. top set? Yeah, I, I don't care, man. I'm, I'm like so busy with all my other things. I'm going to yeah. show up and do my damn thing. And um, mm-hmm. yeah, it's a. Yeah. And like I had, I had so much to do. Like there were so many tasks like every week that I was just like blocking everything out. Like, including, like, my own emotion. Like, everything was just blocked. Like, I had no emotions. I was like, I don't have time for that. (laughs) That's why you're the machine. (laughs) It was just, (laughs) yeah. But, you know, it all all built up, though. And uh, I had a lot of emotions after the wedding. Yeah. Which is not great. um, It it is, um, well, like... So I've read, I like sports psychology stuff, but like just psychology period. When you're about to deal with something big and it feels big, the biggest thing they said you could do to help yourself is break it down into small pieces and approach it like that. So I've read, they did a a sports psychologist, like one of the most intense sports you're going to do. And here's the boxing MMA reference for you, Arian. Is, um, because I'm always doing these. But... It's true. It's it's like very scary to like walk down to like a cage and like a cage fight or whatever. In terms of their sport, extremely, extremely like nerve wracking. But I read somebody wrote a book on it saying, start focusing. Don't look too far ahead because that's when it starts tripping you up. And this applies to everything. Um, focus on little tasks you do. When you wake up today, what do you have to do? Don't get ahead of yourself about like, well, what if this person does this? You don't have control over that. What are you talking about? Why, what are you worrying about? What if this person does this? That may never happen. What do you have to do right now? Well, like in the future, like if this happens to me, no, no, hang on a second. Again, don't go in the future. You're not a time traveler. Today, right now, you, what do you have to do? And then when you start focusing on tasks like that, present for yourself, not other people, not what this person's doing, that person's doing, not in the future if this happens, scenario building in your head, storytelling in your head, but today, what are the tasks you have to manage? And how do you get to that end goal by these tasks like that? So that's the easiest way to deal with performance anxiety and um, or any anxiety with a big event coming up, period, right? And that's also why when you have like multiple tasks, it can be a blessing because you fill your day with tasks. Like you said, like I had so much to do. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas if you don't have a lot going on and this by far is the biggest thing looming in your life, hanging over ahead of you and you're not busy, that can be, that's when your mind can start playing on you. So I think earlier I was elegantly portraying exactly what I meant, but that's kind of where when you have a lot of tasks, not the worst thing in the world. Mm -hmm. And then when the end goals, you have two end goals that are both big, it evens out. You know, yeah, I got you. Mega Nats is big, but not as big as a fucking wedding, right? You know what I mean? Like, it offers perspective. Like, yeah. look, if I get married a week before, that is way bigger to me than what if you don't win Nats? Yeah, well, it's like the biggest perspective. You know what I mean? Like, wow, look at yeah. my family, my whole whatever. Right. And like at the gym, they'd like ask me, like, are you ready for nationals? Like, and I'd be like, 
I got to do this wedding first. Like, and then we can talk about nationals. Yeah. So, you know, I wasn't even really like thinking about like the competition, like that week before the competition, I was only thinking about the wedding first. And then I, I thought about, you know, competing. What, when you were in the gym yeah. though, like did it, was there times when you had, and this is the only, this is the only drawback would be if you were crazy busy, you got a lot to do, but you're, you're training and like, were you ever felt pressure? Like I gotta cut this short and, you know, work on this, work on that. Like there's the, the thing too, anyone listening who hasn't been like their weddings can have so many moving pieces to it. I remember I was living with um, a roommate of mine and he was getting married and I, we were in our twenties and I had no idea if it's a sizable wedding, how much went into it and how stressful I had seen fights that were like, Oh my God, it was crazy. Um, so it's a lot. Yeah. And the crazy, like the crazy thing is like, I think just weddings are weird because like you have the bride and like, in my case, I've never planned anything in my life. Like, I've never had an event that I planned. And I like I I personally don't even like like big crowds of people. And so having to plan this event where like I'm the center of attention and there's all these people and like doing all these things I've never done before, like working with vendors and like doing all this crap. I, I did not enjoy it. I would I hope I don't ever have to do that again. But <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> yeah, but um it's just weird. Like modern day weddings. It's just such a weird concept. And you, you spend all this time and all this money for like one day of your life. And it was an amazing day. It was a great day. But it's like all is like with all the stress and all the planning and all the time and money, like is it worth it? I don't yeah, know. <laughs> like maybe I should have just eloped. Yeah. Like but no. It, yeah. It was a great day. Like, I'm really thankful. You know, I don't really like complaining about it too much because there's people that would, you know, be really grateful to to be able to have a wedding like that and they can't. Fair. So, you know, I'm really, I'm really thankful that, that I got to do it, but, but it was stressful. Well, what are you going to do your next big competition? You're going to have to have something. You're like, I'm going to be, I'm going to be oh, pregnant. Yeah. wow that's leveling up your game like let's make the challenges go i'll have to find (laughs) yeah it will be different yeah i'll have to find something to distract me apparently because it worked out did you um (laughs) when when the uspl first initially changed the weight classes i you had made a good post and it was a good post you had talked about i'm not really that happy about this like there was, you had made some good points where like the percentage jumps from certain weight classes and whatnot wasn't necessarily, some people like, like it's going to help some people who, who found their body weight in a range that, um, the new weight classes would accommodate much easier. But so I do have people sometimes messaging me saying there's a huge gap between, for instance, 84 and 84 plus lifters, like the top end 84 plus lifters in the IPF that are crushing weights at Worlds, the the weight gap between what they're showing up at, because it's an unlimited, you can go to 84, is a massive gap. So they're like, just judging on gap-wise, you could be like, let's throw something in the middle. 
But then I was like, there's other variables, which is a conversation where you're like, how many people actually does that grab in there, in that gap? Mm-hmm. Are we talking, like, are you going to have one person show up, two or three people show up? Where does the cluster range um, focus in at? And uh, so there's a lot of variables. And sometimes people just like want change for the sake of change, but not necessarily crunching numbers about it. What is the percentage jump between this weight class to the other? How many people populate in here? How many people are you going to be forcing to shift and displace between if you break up a certain weight class, et cetera? Um, so you're not sure how certain decisions are made, if they're made quickly or if they're maybe they were looked at like this. But you had made a couple of posts, and this is going back like a ways, so I can't fully remember. But you had some pretty good, maybe, well, let's talk about that. Because you had said, you know what, I thought 63 was a good weight class. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I still don't like the change back to, like, for USA Powerlifting back to the weight classes it used to have. Um, just because, like, what you said, like, if you look at the numbers, like, the data, you've got much less consistent, like, percentage jumps from, like, one weight class to the next. Like, like for the women's weight classes... For example, um, like under 60 kilos, you're jumping like four kilos from each weight class. So it's just like uh, 56, 60, like all of them are four. And then all of a sudden from 60 to 67 and a half, you start jumping like seven and a half kilos. And for like a lightweight woman like me, like that's a big deal. Um, That's like... 18 that's pounds yeah yeah and you know if if you're a competitive power lifter and you you want to be at the top and you know the window of opportunity isn't like super big like you you want to be there quickly like you have to make these decisions that you know you don't want to make like like i want to keep getting stronger at 63 but you know, if, if I stay 63, then I'm not going to be competitive as a, in my weight class as a 67. And so I just don't think they're consistent. And I think USA powerlifting, you know, I think it was just kind of a lazy decision. <laughs> like they just went back to how it used to be. And just because it used to be that way, doesn't mean that it's better. And, you know, I still think the IPF weight classes are better. I think the only good thing about the new USA powerlifting weight classes is the fact that they like added a few more at the top end. Um, for like the super heavyweights, they you know increase those, so there's more separation there. But other than that, I still I just don't like the jumps and the numbers show that you know they're just they don't make sense like. Uh, you know, so it is what it is. Though we're all we're all just here to lift and do the best we can, and you know, you just gotta you gotta you gotta adapt, yeah. I guess. But uh, um, you make a good point. Where like, for instance, the the majority, if the majority of women, I think the sixty three range, sixty sixty three is and sixty seven point five is like where a lot of women are going to find themselves in terms of like when you're lifting weights, it's probably a very popular uh, body weight range. So 
Right. And it, so I could see where if you're looking at it like, okay, we have a cluster of talent here. So we could, the biggest cluster of talent is where you could possibly split and still have two healthy weight classes. The thing is, how big of a split do you want? And if you put seven and a half kilos, that is a massive jump between one to the other. Um, so, and when you're saying, like, I know the, if you're going to change something, sometimes saying we're reverting back gets a big impact, gets a pop, you know, but yeah, you changed initially for a reason. You know, you it, it, this is an opportunity. If you're going to change something, it's an opportunity not just to revert back, but to start anew and be like, let's go completely data-driven. What is the best way for within the USAPL? Where is the biggest cluster of lifters? Um, you know, what is going to be the most stacked possible weight classes? Whatever the hell we made the weight classes back in the 1980s or whatever those weight classes are from. That isn't necessarily rep- – we know it's not representative today. Um, women's powerlifting in the 80s, 90s, early 2000s, 2010, 2015 isn't even close to women's powerlifting now. What is the climate? What do the numbers look like right now? And judging off of right now, what is the best possible weight classes we can make? That's like you know what you'd want to see now. It is what it is, right? Sometimes, like it's. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I'm not running a federation, so I say this with a grain of salt. I'm sure they're making a lot of decisions that are appropriate as well. But um, yeah, I could see what you mean, where it's like, was what was the thought process in terms of just reverting back? Yeah, I don't. I don't think there was much of a thought process other than we want to do something different than the IPF does. So, you know. And this is an easy way to do it. And there's it, a lot of ways so. to do something different than the IPF. You know what I mean? You could do you could do like yeah. a, there's a million <laughs> different numbers you could use. I know what you mean. I do like I can I get yeah. the point of differentiation from the IPF, but I don't know if like Yeah, I don't know if I like it or I don't like it. It offers lifters something different. <laughs> it offers lifters like you ha- you can now like different things are changing, like lift your head up on bench, etc. Stuff like that. So some people are saying um, lean into differentiation and start like leaning away from what the IPF is doing. So you actually have. Well, sorry, I think right, um, I was just going to say like the, the pro series came out of it, which has been really cool. Um, so I think like there are there are pros sure. and cons. Like I, I really enjoyed the whole pro thing and I think everyone else has too. So. You know, it it. I don't know if we needed to go as far as like changing the weight classes, but I, it depends on if you want. Okay. <laughs> when you change the weight classes, the direct comparisons kind of gets lost in terms of this is what right. our champions are doing, this is what their champions doing. It's an easy direct comparison of like, you know, that's what powerlifters like to do is is compare across. Um, even if it's like fair, not fair, because some people are traveling internationally, some people aren't, and some people just. Pooey that away like it was like it's nothing. The travel to South like the other side of the world. But um but then that gets lost, which I kind of still like. Like in terms of if we're all in the same weight class, then it's an easier comparison, at least that way. But that's kind of gone now, which I'm not entirely a fan of. But I don't know. It or do you not? Maybe they don't want a direct comparison. Maybe it's like, oh, we just want our own thing. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I guess we can be compared now to like the like 
USPA and you know yeah. those the under <laughs> <Right. codes>, like, <laughs> <laughs> but like what does that right. do? I was gonna so. I was gonna say yeah now it's like a easier transition if someone wants to go USAPL or USPA or whatever is like the weight classes are the same mm -hmm. the uh, no approved list is the same the head up on bench is the same the only difference major difference now is the twenty four hour weigh-ins versus two hour weigh-ins and deadlift bar right which oh yeah. Uh, and squat bar. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that it also depends on uh, the federation and the event, whether they have like a squat bar or whether they have a monolift or a regular combo rack. But um, the big thing, I mean, as far as we're discussing weight classes is like you could be a 60 kilo lifter doing 24 hour weigh-ins in USPA. You're like, oh, I want to do a USAPL meet. Well, the two hour weigh-ins is going to be a little bit more difficult to get down yeah. to 60 now. One hundred. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it might, it might be good like for the local like United States powerlifting scene because then, you know, you can jump from fed to fed and things are relatively the same. So, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, it might be. This is true. It is um, yeah. for, like, for like myself, <laughs> I got people in the untested sometimes shooting me DMs be like, man, how come you're not posting me? I'm a 75 kilo lifter and here is here's my total. <laughs> and I'm like, dog, you're in the untested and your total is like, would be like far below like Taylor, but like below like what's happening in USAPL. It's like, well, man, and you're you're 24 hour weigh-in, so you're probably walking around huge. There's like um, it's still difficult to do sometimes comparisons. It's just it's you know it is what it is, right? Um, yeah. It, have, what are your plans? So one of the big questions. Full disclosure: I lost my internet Canada wide. Rogers is by far the biggest internet provider in Canada. Okay. All across Canada, um, Rogers dropped for like all of yesterday. Like we had Taylor Atwood schedule for a podcast. And we have to reschedule. And so I lost all the questions that people were sending you. Um, so, it is what, <laughs> so it is what it is. But um, so hopefully we answered some of That's them. Okay. But um, some of it was questions about your future. What do you want? What What are your future plans for Selene the Machine? Close, like immediate, as well as long-term. What are some of the goals you got? So I guess, like, I'm going to finish out the Pro Series in USA Powerlifting. So the finale is, like, the 2023 Arnold. Um, so that, I guess that's next. And Well, I'm doing, like, a local meet, too, in October. Carolina primetime. Um, and then after that, after the Arnold... I'm going to probably just like reevaluate because I, I don't really know. Um, I'd like to maybe try like to go to Worlds, but but then I wouldn't be able to do like like the fun USA powerlifting, like local yeah. meets. Catch 22. So, I don't know. It's yeah. Um, I don't know. I We'll have to see. That's it's tough. That's the that's probably the toughest yeah. part of all this, in terms of um, like that that the, the the political ties to being like, well, I want to do this, but I can't do that if I like this door closes, and uh, mm -hmm. if you're like an elite level lifter like yourself, it's it's a total different ball game because the difference is like like a, a world championships, which is an amazing experience for like. Any athlete to be have your nation to represent your nation at the world level and like your family's watching online is like a like a big moment. So for you, it's entirely different than let's say more of a local level lifter who's like, okay, if I'm just lifting locally at the local level, 
um, and the world's probably isn't something that I'm going to be able to get to anyways, I'm just going to go with whatever fed, mm-hmm. whatever feds less ties, whatever feds less going to handcuff me. Um, I'm probably just going to go that route because <laughs> I'm not going to the world, right. but the, your situation, you like going back to earlier, you are like that 1%. <laughs> You know, you're a one percenter. When you look at the world championships um, that just took place in the 63s, you would be right in there. So it's tough. You're like, all right, frig. You're the, it's easy for other people to tell you what to do and, or what they think you should do. But then you're also in that position where it's like, yeah, but like, you know, not for nothing. My position is different than most others. Like you're, when you decide right. USAPL or IPF, you were deciding a world championship experience or not. You're not just deciding anything else. Like for most people, they can go whichever side. They're probably not going to worlds regardless. So with all due respect, it's like if it was that easy, mm-hmm. but they're not saying no to that. So it's tough. Yeah. And like the other, the other thing is, you know, you have to win national, like powerlifting American nationals. So if I were to like switch, powerlifting america and then not win nationals and not go to worlds i would really feel like i'm i made the wrong decision because that would have been the only reason i would switch because like to me powerlifting america their meets currently just aren't as appealing uh as usa powerlifting um there's not as exciting and hype yet i guess maybe they could get there but um you know, it's it's just a hard decision because if I if I didn't get to worlds, then like what would be right. the point? But, yeah, I mean, I mean, you can always you can always switch back. So uh, the well, the, the main issue I think is is the timing issue because for now they're saying the powerlifting American Nationals in February and then the Arnold Pro Series Finals is in March. So if you do February powerlifting American Nationals and win then you may have to resign and can't do the Pro Series final. Or if you say, hey, I won't do Powerlifting America, let me do the Pro Series final first, then you have to wait till 2024 to do Powerlifting America Nationals to go to World. So then what are you going to do for the rest of 2023? And maybe you start the Pro Series up again, and so then it becomes a difficult switch. But um, that the timing, I think, is the, the issue for a lot of people that are want to do the Arnold or are in the Arnold Pro Series final, which has the big prize money. Right. Yeah. It. I mean, it would be like a gamble, I guess. But, and, but if you did, you know, I, I, I was just gonna say, if you did both, if you did ahead. both, then I guess the, the issue would just be doing back to back meets. So someone could do powerlifting American nationals. And if they lose, then you can still go do the USAPL Arnold and then just stay USAPL at that point. Um, That's true. Yeah. But you'd have to, ju- you'd have to just depending on when they announce when the meet is, the meet could be like, you know, third week or fourth week of February. And then the Arnold's the first week of March. And so the timing could be tough. That would be tough because you'd have to battle Meg Scanlon total yeah. into the 500s and have a good day and then turn around and do it again. That's the toughest. But, but she uh, likes throwing in, you know, a yeah. couple of things. I don't think I would. I was going to say, you get, she doesn't have a problem throwing in a couple of things in one week and just stressing herself and, out. And you'll be pregnant this time too. That's uh, the Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Deliver a baby in between both of those. This is, yeah, that'd be a very, very eventful month. Um but it is true, like for PA, because they're only, they're not even a year old. So the, the infrastructure is not in place in terms of um, having a lot of meets. 
like like you had said, like the risen like USAPL's got meat directors in competitions. They've been around for decades. So in every single state, all the major cities, etc. Whereas PA is like not even a year old. So they're they don't have that infrastructure. If if you're in terms of like meat directors in all different places, it's just not there yet, you know, and um it could be there. In terms of like the fun aspect, um, you know, so people People talk about like IPF won't have the same fun atmosphere as USAPL. The thing is like, but people don't necessarily realize like IPF world is not like a local level meet. Like if somebody's a meat director in um, Carolina, you could do whatever the shit you want. Like you could, you, the atmosphere will be whatever you want it to be. Like if a USAPL person said, I'm doing, I'm going to work with PA now. They could do the same type of like whatever you want. What do you want? Music? You want, you do whatever you want to do, right? Like, cause I just got back from silent worker meet in Paris with Penna and like the French team. And, um, it was the wild, it was the wildest lead. Like they had like, I'm no, no joke. This was crazy. So they have like, I mean, it's, it's standing room only. They pack this thing. What's going on in France is so wild. Whenever Penna hit the platform, People were cheering like my man's is a rock star. Like it is crazy how popular he is. And um, and he's throwing up like the heart symbol because he's like, oh my God, this is crazy. And Leah Bavois was working a booth and it was like Leah's kitchen. And it's like, she's like making these, it's the cutest. And she's making these Reese's buttercups that are like protein. And she's making sandwiches and stuff. And like, Leah's like, Leah's like the cutest person of all time, right? And um you know, the raising money and the whole nine. And uh, at one point, and they have like Turbo Tiff who's competing um, and she's like world's best lifter. And uh, Leah Bavo's working and she's watching everybody squat in their prime time. And Leah Bavo is like, you know what? Hang on a minute. And she tells the girls that are working with her. And this is like, when I mean the girls working with her, it's like Penna's mom. And Penna's, somebody's grandmother, somebody's <laughs> grandmother who was in their 90s was there. And she like, I don't, she, there's no, there's oh no gosh. way she knew what was going on, but she was there anyways. Like it was amazing. And Leah's like, ladies, I'm going to check out for a minute. Hang on. And they're like, just cover me. And they're like, all right, whatever. And she didn't say what she's going, doing. She drove back to her apartment, grabbed her gear, drove back to the venue and rolls up the pen and is like, uh, where are we at right now, you guys? And he's like, well, we're going to finish bench. We're going to start deadlifting soon. And she's like, I want in. <laughs> and he's like, what? And he goes, and he's like, holy shit, are you serious? She goes, I want in. So then Penna, I'm announcing. And, and I'm not commentating. I'm announcing. And I, I never announce. I always do commentating on the live stream. And he's like, I want you. Leah's going to be a special guest just dropping out of nowhere. We're going to cut the music hop up on this desk and make an announcement and this is like straight out of like pro wrestling style like ladies and gentlemen a new contender has entered the uh people uh people like what the fuck is going on I'm like the queen is back leah Bawa, and the place explodes because it's difficult to understand how popular these people are in france right now um especially like a leah Bavois. and the place went nuts and leah Bavois on cue i'm like Ladder, do you want to see her deadlift? And the crowd goes crazy. Do you want to see her deadlift? The crowds go crazy. I'm like, let her know. And the crowd explodes. And then right on cue, Leah Babel hits the platform. And it was like, I got chills. Like, what the fuck? This is a crazy moment. 
And then she like smokes it, goes three for three. And I'm like, the long live the queen. But um, and, and everyone's like afterwards, huge lineup for pictures with like Penna and Leah and all them. So point is like, and it's a money meet. And I remember uh, Penna saying initially when he was going to do these money meets in the US or sorry, in uh, France, he was like the old heads in the Federation were like, I don't think this is going to work. Um, and he's like a new guy. These guys are all like people, what France was previously. And then the new generation, Leah, Turbo Tiff, Noemi, um, Jay Jacob, all them in their twenties, totally different in totally different, same Federation. And the old heads had pushback on you guys are extremely social media driven money meets and this celebrity to it and the whole nine. And they're like, yeah, but we got a bit of a vision here. And they started changing within. And um, essentially, mm-hmm. it can be whatever people want it to be. Whatever the federation, regardless, like IPF or whatever, be damned. They, they're they not going to come in there and be like, no, we want your silent worker to be. It'll just be whatever you want it to. You could roll <laughs> with it. It's uh, The part is that with PA, they're just so early days. They don't have that infrastructure. They don't have all those people doing these things yet. They need some meet directors to like step up and be like, I got a vision. This is what I want to do. And it's like, all right, well, I have at it. Uh, I was going to say, I think that's the, the big point is someone needs to think more long-term or, or like have a vision. Because like, for example, the last PA meet in Florida last weekend had nine lifters. So like, what can you do with revenue coming from nine lifters? Some of the other ones have 15, 20, 25, but on, on, in general, they're much smaller where like when I run meets in South Florida for USAPL, I get like 60 to 80. When I ran them in New York City, we get like 120. You can do a lot more with that. Um, yeah. They had a PA meet that was scheduled for New Jersey and I guess they didn't get enough entries so they just canceled the meet. So the person didn't even want to like take the loss and build it going forward. So someone would have to, yeah, be like, okay, we'll start this meet uh-huh. and build it out. And over the years, you get to something like a silent worker meet or a Carolina primetime or something like that. But the the expectation for it to be there now uh, shouldn't be there because yeah, it's much smaller meets, uh, very basic. Some of them are just like half a day, just get the lifters um, to do a local meet. And right now too, there's no qualifying tolls for nationals. So a lot of people like my lifter who competed in Austin, she just did nationals as her first PA meet because there was no qualifying tolls. There was no need for it. If they end up putting qualifying tolls in place, then maybe that will force people to have to go to local meets and make the local meets bigger. And then you can build from there. That's true too. Yeah, I mean it. Right, and like I don't know if their focus will ever be like making big local meets like USA Powerlifting. Um, just because, like, I mean, USA Powerlifting has that covered. So, like, to me, I think of it more as just like a way to get to worlds. I think so. it would behoove them to though. Like for sure, it's the worlds is yeah. the big carrot right now, right? Like that's all you got right now. Like you got to, I mean, what else you could offer people? You, you, your, your Nats isn't going to be the big one yet. But I, th- if if you if they could flip a switch and all of a sudden they had the infrastructure in place that meets in every state for sure, they would flip that switch. It's just hard. It is. Uh, right. It is difficult. It takes time. Like what happened in France right now with the silent worker, like when we talk about that climate, it took it took some years, man. It was like 2019 when Penna was like first injured, like stopped me at Worlds and he's like, things are going to start changing. And I was like, all right, well, we'll see what happens. Three, three, three years is actually pretty quick, actually. This is pretty quick for it to happen like that. But 
I was just gonna say also because yes, yeah, because their location is smaller, so France is smaller. It's easier to bring people in from all different cities, and yeah. even with that um, that girl power meet, they bring in people from other countries. Where in the U.S., you know, we're the size of Europe or even bigger with 330 right. million people. It's harder when USAPL has 20,000 plus members, and Power of the America right now only has a thousand to have these bigger meets and have these meet directors in every state and everything like that. So it, it's gonna, I, I would assume it's gonna take longer than three years to. Uh, be able to get into all the major states and able to have like, you know, several thousand members and be able to build the nationals to be, you know, a couple hundred lifters and those kind of things. It is. Um, and that's why like, uh, in discussions with like growing a federation, like you want big name lifters, but meet directors is one of your biggest assets is like having a meet directors. Like I would trade a couple big name power lifters for like a couple solid meet directors who like, also do refing and also are going to be part of the actual infrastructure of the federation. Like you would trade a, a big name lifter, like a few big name lifters for one solid meet director who puts on 10 meets a year refs and does all these other things. Like meet directors are huge. They're very much uh, a huge asset. That's how, like if I could just have one meet director in the Northeast, you know, who does like 10 meets a year and um, you know, refs and does all these kind of, you know, does all these things. It's a, but yeah, it's tough. I'm glad I'm not on that end of things. I'm just a media guy who just talks and gives an opinion and it's a lot easier. We had fun in Austin though. Oh, dog. Yeah. Austin was amazing. <laughs> yeah. It's fun. We'll see what happens. I mean, it depends, yeah. but it's. Maybe we'll merge back together. Can you imagine? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> when Hella fell out, I cannot imagine that. I don't see that ever happening. No, I, <laughs> I wish that. The only way things like that would happen yeah. is like down the road. Because it depends on like things change, right? Like in five, ten years, is it going to be still the same guard who are in, in place? Or is it new people? And then when new people, the only thing is the new people, who's going to give up who's position so the other person becomes the head of the one federation like that's that stuff usually people don't like giving I mean, up i mean i think that i think that's the easier part i think the harder part is yeah you may have the old guard eventually leave and the new guard come but what if the new guard has the same beliefs and the same vision as far as the drug testing at all levels you'd have to have like someone come in that has a new approach and, and be able to get voted in with that new approach and then go back and say, hey, listen, those people are gone. We're willing to work with you guys. Let's combine the federations. We don't care if we're even in charge, but this is better for the whole. Um, but I think it's going to be hard to get those people in place. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we could go back and forth about what ifs all yeah. day, but I, I don't really see it I happening see it either. Happening. So. Yeah. So do you think then, um, so I guess you're basically like you were saying, that's what Russ was saying too, is like, he's going to play it year by year by year and just take a look at the situation and be like, let's, let's see. Cause, um, if you can go to worlds and win worlds, I mean, there's also like Sheffield and things like that too. Like things just get crazy. If the more one percenter you are, the crazier things get, right? <laughs> It depends on who you are. So I guess, yeah, you just got to take it piece by piece and watch. It's an interesting time. And this is where things like, this is why when we go back to like 2017, 18, when things were like simpler, there was, uh, there was just nationals, worlds, no such thing as necessarily money meets. People are making monetary decisions, financial decisions. There's no political ties. There's no repercussions like this. It was just 
all right, I guess I, I lift at a state level, a national level, a world level, and then we do the whole thing next year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? How big of a deal was it to have like the people you had going into this mega nats there, like Natalie Richards and like, was it a major motivating factor? It was. Yeah. Um, so I had like, I had competed against Natalie specifically two other times before and she had won. So, you know, I was really excited or I'm always really excited when, when there's like a head to head opportunity. Um, and then, you know, Caitlin Berry, uh, she's she's a big up-and-coming oh, yeah. lifter. Still very young and just making, like, crazy gains lately. So I was really excited to see what she was going to do. Um, and then there were also, like, like Charlie Leonard. Uh, no one had really heard of her. Um, but she got third, and so, you know, she's a powerhouse, and I think we'll see a lot from her in the next few years, as well as, like... Christian Hazard, um, just there's just a lot of like potential in that weight class. So I was definitely excited for the competition. It was, um, yeah, that's it was definitely one of the more stacked divisions. Caitlin is for sure an up and comer. Like I think she's is she twenty mm-hmm. or twenty one. I keep messing this up every time I say her age. I feel like I mess it up, and she's in my DMs like, "What are you talking about, bro?" <laughs> I think I was saying she was a teenager before. <laughs> Her age. Yeah, I don't know for sure. <laughs> I, I think I think you maybe messed up again. She's born two thousand two, so she's you know either nineteen or twenty. I think she's twenty. I'm gonna say she's twenty, but um, yeah, I think so. But yeah, she's for sure an up and coming star, um, incredibly strong. And Natalie had tons of hype uh, leading into her, and she's definitely a future star as well because she's also still a junior. Is she not, I believe so. Um, she is, I yeah. Mean, it's a pretty stacked division. So. And uh, so whenever you're part of – the thing is like when you're going into your, there to like a competition like that, it's pressure because it's stacked. But on the same time, it's like the high risk, high reward. Everybody's going to be watching. Mm-hmm. So it's – it's a uh, because there's so many tough contenders in there, it's going to be more difficult to win. But because there's so many more contenders in there, more people – more eyeballs on it. And there's more intrigue and more excitement about it. Um, when you actually were there, how was it? How was the actual live event? Um, it was good. I mean, there's a lot of hype. It was prime time, and it was a lot of fun. Um, the warm up room was great. I, I mean, I think it was about as good as you can get when it comes to a meet, quality wise. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess like. In terms of like the actual competing, I was actually a little nervous because um, I wasn't able to lift like for a week before the competition because after the wedding, so like I got married on Saturday and then I had to compete on Thursday. And so on... So the last day I trained was like the Thursday before and then like Friday, Saturday, Sunday were all wedding things and then that Monday I was supposed to train but I had like a complete like emotional <laughs> breakdown. Like I was I was crying literally all day. I could not get out of bed. I couldn't go to work. 
like my family was worried about me my husband was worried about me like every like people were coming like to check on me like i was what happened what, what, was it just was this the moment where you're like all right this is a mistake this is too much at once oh, what was it or in terms of no, not like getting married but in terms of, yeah your husband's like yeah. oh what the fuck <laughs> <laughs> but in terms of just like all of it it just like reality setting in or yeah. what was it well so i was like like you'd think it would be like happy like tears you know but you know like wedded bliss but I was actually, like, sad because the wedding was mm. over, I guess. And, like, the day went by so fast. And I didn't get to talk to, like, most of the guests or, like, even really see them for that long because it just went by so fast. And so I, like, felt bad. And I was just, like – and I think I – you know, like I said, like, I had been just avoiding, like, all of my emotions for months and months, like, leading up to – this week and so I think it all just came like flooding in and I had like no control over it and I was like I was laid up in bed just like crying for two days Monday and Tuesday and then so you did water cut you know (laughs) 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 through tears (laughs) yeah It it was it was actually pretty concerning you know for the people that that were the new I was about to compete because they were like, is this gonna like, is she gonna be able to make it? Like, are we gonna get her on the plane? I don't know. So, yeah. I, um, here's the thing with like life period when you build up one particular day, sometimes it will never be able to live up to like, especially when it's like months in advance planning, um, crazy amount of financial investment, and you know, like the day is still only 24 hours and it's still like when you eat your food, it's going to taste like food. When you talk to someone, it's just a conversation. It's not going to be a life changing conversation. Like you can build certain things, but it's difficult to like wrap your head around when the day comes and goes and you're like, you know, it's like, man, that was quick. It's it's 24 hours though. Or, you know, and you're like, man, I didn't get to see everybody or I didn't get to, but it's it'll it's I know what you mean because everyone's going to experience certain things like this in life, where the anticipation of is mm-hmm. monumental. Just like the pressures, everybody talking to you. That's all they're going to talk to you. Oh my God, you're getting married, and it's a crazy, mm-hmm. it is a crazy thing. This this is going to happen a couple different times in life, and um, yeah, it's totally natural. This is like a totally natural <laughs> feeling to have the next day to be like. How do I feel about this? I'm trying to process this. Is this what I wanted it? Is it everything right. I wanted it to be? Did I have regrets on? I should have done this or like, how am I processing all of this? Mm-hmm. That is, this. it's actually more common than you think and it happens often in life. Right. And like on the day of the wedding and like when everything was happening, like I was in a great mood, like everything was fine and I was having a good time. But then, you know, reality sets in and then you start like comparing, you know, your expectations to how it actually went. And obviously nothing ever goes perfectly. Like there's going to be things you wish you had done, things you wish you hadn't, you hadn't done. And so I think I was just stuck in this like uh, comparison battle in my mind where I thought it went one way, but it didn't. And I, I don't know. I was just... I was just beating myself up over things that don't actually matter. Mm. Like, 
the important part was that at the end of the day I was married and you know everyone had a great time but it's it's just hard Whatever, you know <laughs> It's, it'll yeah. never go the way you so. anticipated and it'll never like uh mm-hmm. and you can be like well then don't insist like don't overthink it but it's how the fudge do you not it's uh <laughs> you're planning so much right and you only get like one opportunity to do this well, so hopefully. it's like <laughs> <laughs> yeah your next wedding will be better don't worry but, um, <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> If I got a redo, I would know exactly what to do. But even even like um, people do like on like their 10th anniversary, redo like, you know what? And sometimes like when people like they'll go somewhere, they'll like quote unquote elope, even though they're already married, redo vows and do something in like fucking Europe, like Paris or whatever, some some beautiful (laughs) city. And you know what I mean? It's different. You're older. You got more life experience and you're everything's you're like, this is how we're going to do it this time. You man, there's life doesn't stop. Mm-hmm. You could keep doing a bunch of whatever. You know what I mean? There's there's always reviews. <laughs> there's always things you could do. So, in terms of when you start thinking about yeah. that way, it offers perspective. The worst wedding story, period. Well, like no, nah, there's worse. But um, my boy, his last name is um, actually fuck yeah, I'm not gonna say his last name, but it's a funky last name, okay? And his coworker okay. invited him to a wedding. And all of his coworkers are there and he has a funky last name. Like it's a quirky last name. And she always made fun of him about his last name at work. And he shows up to this wedding. Like, I'm like, do you got a, like, uh, cause he's going to give a speech. Like, did you write this out or whatever? He's like, no, no, you don't, don't write it out. People tell me don't write it out. Freestyle. It's more natural. <laughs> I'm like, I think that's a mistake, homie. Cause I've, I do public speaking always, yeah. <laughs> you know, you could freestyle, but if you have something to double back on, you're always good. Venture from there. But have your points you want. He's like, nah, 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 I'm good. I'll have a couple of drinks. Freestyle it, we're all good. So he gets up there. And um, if you ever did like public speaking, you know the feeling. Once you start bombing, and I mean a crowd of people look at you like, what the fuck? The feel, the anxiety is like, it's insane. He's up there and he tries to make a joke about um, his last name and her and he, the joke, he thought he was going to be like, because you always make fun of my last name or whatever. But he, So he was trying to say like, you know, like, how would you like to have my last name? Because his last name is Funky. But it sounded like you should have married me. <laughs> you should be marrying me right now. And then he oh, made no. me, he, and everyone's like, this is her coworker? Like, what the fuck is going on here? And then he, and then he, <laughs> He overthought it. Instead of just keep it moving, who gives a shit? He saw the look on a couple people's faces, but not everyone's, but a couple's. So he made the classic mistake of explaining his joke <laughs> and never stop in the moment to explain my man. So he's like, no, what I mean, no, I don't mean you should have married me. What I meant was, and it's like, okay, now everybody's thinking that. There was a few people that you saw their faces. Now the whole room is looking at you like, what? And then he's like, he's like, so, no. So, uh, no, he's doing that kind of shit. <laughs> oh, this is painful. Stop talking. Stop talking, man. Just don't explain. Keep it moving, man. It's, um, anyways, it's, it can be, it could always be worse is the point. But, um, <laughs> but yeah. That's so when, true. That is when you're true. going into Mega Nats then, how was the feeling when Mega Nats actually rolled around when you had two days of 
you know, crying in your bed, like an emotional roller coaster ride. You hadn't trained in a week. Was your expectation levels like I'm about to murder this? Or you're like, wow, it is what it is. Let's see what we got. <laughs> well, I guess like it's pretty common. Like I've had a few meets where like something weird has happened, like right before the meet. Like I get injured or I get sick or, you know, whatever. And I've, I guess I've proven to myself over time that I can still perform even when things don't go perfectly. So, like, I was a little worried, but I was also, like, confident that um, that it would be okay and that I, I would still just go out there and do my best and take what I have on the day and just adapt if I need to. And really it was, like, whenever I started warming up and started feeling the weights, that's when I was like, okay, it's going to be fine. Like, like everything feels good and, and we're going to do this. Um, but I was really not like in the, the competing mm. mindset until I showed up at the venue and started warming up. And that's when I was like, okay, we're doing it now and <laughs> time to get my head in the game. So it was really weird. <laughs> like, um, I don't, I didn't really have like, super high expectations but I still knew it would be possible I thought it would be possible to like to be battling it out for first like when you're in the middle of going through your you know introspective thoughts on the wedding the whole night where were you even thinking at all about war like the gnats coming up or you what were you you know what I mean because it'd be really or it was like (laughs) fuck I don't want to deal with this right now you're like, oh no, this might have been a mess. <laughs> I was not thinking about it at all. Like, I think I even like packed, like very last minute. <laughs> like, I didn't. I my mind was not there at all at on competing. So, it's really a miracle that it worked out the way it did. Cause it felt like I was in a daze, like the whole time I was there. Like nothing was processing. Like. <laughs> I was just—I don't know. It felt like I was dreaming. It's wild how that can happen, but I know exactly what you mean. Where so, you're going through the motions. Yeah. I'm here, but I'm not fully mm-hmm. present like I normally would be. Um, that can happen. It do you, it might have. Right. Do you think it did help, or do you think it probably to be going through the motions, or are you like ah? I think it it happened. You know, I won in spite of, but I'm not sure if it helped. I. I mean, I don't know. It might have helped, but I think it was a little bit too much. Um, Like, normally, I've learned to, like, not be as stressed, but normally I'd be really anxious, like, going into a meet, and I'd be running through scenarios in my mind, like, you know, if this happens, if that happens, like, you know. And so all of that didn't happen this meet, which I think helped me. But, like, obviously, I think it would have been better if, if I could have gotten those training days in and, you know, been more in the right mindset. Um, so I I wouldn't really say it, it helped. I think it hurt more than it helped. In the day of, were you paying attention to the other competitors? Like, did you realize by the time deads had rolled around and, um, you know, when you started registering your deadlifts and the spread started happening, like, did you know where you were at or were you totally put on your blinders, let Matt Gary do his thing, and then you find out after the fact? 
I was aware. I like to, like, um, know what's going on. And normally I would, like, it would just be me and my husband. Like, I would basically be handling myself. Like, I'd never had, like, an actual person handling me. So it was a new experience. And, like, I had told Matt prior that that I would want to be keep keep up to date about, like, where I stand and stuff like that. And, like, going into the competition, I knew that if I was going to have a chance, like, for first, that I would need to be ahead of Natalie on subtotal because I know that she's got, like, a bigger deadlift than me. And so, like, once I was able to do that, I felt, like pretty confident that like we could we could battle it out and yeah so so when deads rolled around you kind of already knew Matt had told you yes but actually it's like I was ahead by seven and a half kilos um after bench and Natalie like weighed less than me so I didn't have an advantage there so really like she could tie me and when um but after bench, Matt comes up to me and he's like, all right, I think it's time to start defending second place. Oh! And I, because <laughs> um, Natalie's opener was like 20 kilos more than my opener. But, you know, I'm the type of person that takes big jumps on deadlift. So, I, so like, to me after bench, I was like, okay, what can I do to like still win this? And like, where, where will there, there likely be an opening for me? Like if Natalie, you know, takes a smaller jump or if, if she misses here or whatever, like where, where can I like still win? And so then whenever Matt said that, I was like, uh, <laughs> I don't know. You're, you're like, Matt, this is too much information, man. I told you to keep me, keep me abreast of the situation, but this is too much, man. Yeah. And like, I know he was just trying to be practical because like it did look that way based on our deadlift openers. And like, we didn't know that Natalie was going to struggle on her lockouts or that she was going to like bomb out. Obviously we didn't know that. So the way it looked was like, it did look like she was going to win and that I was going to be defending second. But in my mind, like this is why we compete. Like you never know what's going to happen. And I was not ready to accept that I would be defending second place because you know, I came there to win. Right. <laughs> and so so it was actually kind of like frustrating when he said that. Even though, you know, I get it. I get like, it. Like numbers wise, he's crunching numbers like all right. Um but sport like sometimes it doesn't roll out that way. Like sports Mm-mm. this happens, man. This is like people bomb, people or you miss you get your opener and you do the math on, okay, if they move from their opener to the second to the third, no, but they might only get their opener. Like there's, there is things happen, you know? Um, and right. I, I know he's probably approaching from the aspect of we keep third at bay and make sure that they don't try to catch our silver. And if not something happens with Natalie, we can move into first. So strategically speaking, mm-hmm. 
he's doing the right call in that we need to look behind us and whatever's going to happen with Natalie is going to happen. But we need to keep ahead of in terms of attempt selection from the people behind us so that the door so we can close the door on them and focus. Right. Uh, but and then whatever happened, right. happened. And then, yeah, the opportunity swings open for you. So it's difficult because the thing with powerlifting, you're not one person driven in terms of a showdown. You have multiple people. We've seen it. We're like you at the come the third and final deadlift. Now you start making a decision where if you go for first, the person behind you is going to pull for you. So if you miss to take gold, you don't just miss gold. The person behind you is going to pull to take your spot and you drop from second to third to off the podium to whatever the heck. So it's complicated. It's a, it's a difficult, you see it every time. And I respect, right. I respect <laughs> people who are like, we're pulling for gold regardless if I end off a podium or not. And I also respect if someone's like, you know what? I think the pull for gold is a big ask. That is well beyond my previous PR. Let's just defend the silver. It's, it's diff. And by the way, you got 60 seconds to make these decisions after you lift. So it's tough, <laughs> but um, yeah, you gotta, you just gotta show up and you end up having a perfect meet. Was it look in terms of hitting all your temp selection anyways, was it the total that you had anticipated or were you kind of, by the time it rolled around with everything that happened wedding wise and everything, were you like, you know what? I'm not even sure if you had numbers in mind by then. Um, so I had anticipated like higher numbers, obviously. Um, I wanted to hit more PRs, but you know, with like the weight cut and the wedding and all that stuff. And also just like having Matt Gary there to like help me be reasonable. Like I was on board with just taking, you know, but what I had that day and I really like was not disappointed even though I like didn't, I only hit like a bench PR. I, I wasn't disappointed because of like the circumstances um, of that week and the fact that I was able to, you know, almost match my best total at a, at a lower body weight. I was, I was very happy with, so, you know, the expectations kind of went out the window and I was just like, you know what, let's just do it, do what we can. Just <laughs> That's Matt Gary's. Yeah. Just Matt try to Gary's, win. That dude who's like, okay, your, your PRs are good for top end measuring sticks, but more important, we need to win this thing. Like if I could get you to, mm-hmm. and usually you win by hitting attempts. Once you start missing attempts, you start falling behind. That's where, I mean, he, right. you know, they got the most out of you and you end up winning. That's like, um, when Lugo was at PA Nats, the 120 kilo and Matt Gary was watching mm-hmm. this happen and he was the favorite, but things started messing up where like, um, I think he was like, he was opening either opening too high or finishing. He's finishing off missing his thirds and Matt Gary, somebody had approached Matt Gary. I think Paul, the media guy had approached Matt Gary. And he's like, maybe ask if Lugo wants you to jump in there. And, um, yeah, he's like, all right, whatever. So he's, he goes to Lugo. <laughs> Do you want me in here? And Lugo's like, I don't know. I think I might be all right. And he's like, son, do you want me in here? <laughs> it was like one of those <laughs> moments where he's like, I think you're opening a little high. I think you're going to start missing your thirds. Yeah. And um, he ended up needing that third deadlift because um, his opposition, Tristan, was, you know, he almost pulled like 800 pounds. He got it past his knees. And it was like, holy shit, Lugo almost lost and didn't make it to Worlds. 
things can happen when you just start overestimating and don't stay in the pocket and you go off of PRs as opposed to what's there in the day and the different moving pieces that might be there. Um, but uh, Yeah, and like Matt, he was really like the voice of reason, you know, he... He, he was really good at, like, calling third attempts, and I, I understand now why everyone says he's the best, because, like, all of my third attempts, I don't think they could have been, like, there might have been, like, two and a half kilos left here and there, but they were all exactly, you know, where, where they needed to be to secure the win. So. I, I saw Matt with, like, Sam Calhoun. Yeah. There was a couple nationals that Sam went nine for nine and one. And, um, I mean, if a snowflake landed on that bar, like it was like, he got the most out of Sam. Like he was like, Oh my God. He just like, he doesn't care what you did. Like he cares what you did in training, but it's like today we got to win. So whatever, I'm not trying to position you for a PR. I'm trying to position you for three for three. So we get the hell out of here with that W. Um, yeah. And he's worked with Sam a lot. So I'm sure he knows like where her top end is just by looking right. at her lift, you know, like you get to, you get to know someone. So. That's 100% true. Uh, the people who've worked with mm-hmm. Matt previously keep going back because the more you work with him, the more he knows. And he's like super duper trusted. Yeah. Um, like he's, yeah, uh, the guy's been, he's an, he's the OG of OGs, man. He's like, he's been around <laughs> forever. Um, even do you got any questions? Cause I'm going to ask a couple of like, other like personal questions to get the nowhere better, but do you got any questions, sir? I'm monopolizing. No, I mean, that, that, no, I mean that, that that pretty much covers it. I was looking at the numbers too. Like Sling was saying, how on subtotal she was up seven and a half, but Natalie was opening up twenty two and a half kilos more on deadlift. So maybe Matt saw, okay, now Natalie's going to be up fifteen kilos. She has the body weight. She has the bigger deadlift. Um, so like as a handler, you're you're thinking, okay, yeah, like you had said, it's going to be a deep class. You have to defend your position and then hope that, you know, something happens on these other lifters. Either they take smaller jumps or they miss. And so um, they end up missing. And then, and then um, Celine likes to take that big jump from first to second and kind of gained all that ground back. So uh, that's just how it played out for people that were listening. Uh, but yeah, I don't have any questions if you want to move on. Yeah. Strategically speaking, Matt was looking at it totally by the number wise, like, okay, this is what it looks like. But it unfolds. He'll be looking. He'll be ready. I mean, Matt's not gonna. If somebody fucks up, I'm not gonna name names. But I've seen competitions where somebody made the wrong attempt on their second to third, and Matt had a lifter that was weaker, but close, but weaker, but it was close, and Matt took the dub mm-hmm. on them. Matt Gary got the lifter the W yeah. over them, and um. You know, you watch powerlifting enough, you'll see this happen a few times, and Matt will fucking totally do that. He'll be like, all right, this is where we're at. But if they don't put in the right attempt or whatever, <laughs> people are going to talk on Monday at the water cooler. But, uh, but okay, mm-hmm. so I got a couple questions before we let you go. We're rolling in at two hours. This is just fun ones. Uh, what is your favorite music and artist? I like... Rap, yeah. I guess. Yeah. Uh, you wouldn't have, you see, you don't, you don't I really, I, would, I don't know if I have a surprise to me or not. But, uh, you're, you're like, score one for Ryan. But, yeah. <laughs> um, and my favorite artist is Kanye. Oh, no shit. Okay. So, yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah. It's, is it like a certain era or do you still like all in, Kanye's been around forever, huh? Mm-hmm. I guess like 2000s rap would be 
the era that I damn sure. homie. We got exchange <laughs> now, but uh, yeah, early two thousands rap yeah. is pretty good. Uh, and yeah, Kanye is definitely a, like he's you know he's one of the goats for sure. Um, what is your favorite movie and actor actress? I knew you were gonna ask this, and I don't. I don't really have a favorite movie, um, but I do like. Well, no, I'm I'm just not a big really? movie person. Okay, what about series? No. <laughs> uh, I really liked Breaking Bad. Oh fudge! It's so that. good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was really late to watching it. Like I just watched it like this past year. Oh wow! <laughs> but yeah, but um, I just, I'm just not a big like. I don't watch a lot of TV. Do you, I guess, do you read books but... or? No. You just like busy. <laughs> I guess so. I mean, lately I've been trying to watch more movies and shows, but they're you know I'm just way behind on all the. The shows. I did watch Stranger Things. Okay, listen, we were talking about this beforehand. All right. I watched season one, I thought, like, phenomenal. Season two, I thought, Mm -hmm. was a little bit more of the same and started losing me. I can't remember if I finished season two or if it was season three that lost me, but I left. (laughs) And now everybody is talking about season four. Like, like don't no spoilers because I haven't seen it yet. But everyone's talking like it was absolutely amazing. You saw, have you seen season four? Yes. Is it as good as um, what's your, what's your take? <laughs> I thought it was probably the best season. I mean, it was geared, I guess, more towards adults now because, like, we've grown up, you know. And they, like, really played into, like, the creepy mm. factor. Like, it's more, more like, horror. And I, it was really good. I, I would recommend watching like it. Like, Pete Spence... Um, I'm looking at his, his like Instagram stories. I'm making fun of him. I'm replying to him. Like mm-hmm. you're a nerd. You're a nerd. Uh, you're, you're a man grow up. But he's like, that was the best season of television I've seen. And like, he's, he's super into it. And I'm like, is it that good? I'm like, all right. It was is really it really? Good. I got to dive back in. I got to dive back in then. <laughs> For me, like the first season was phenomenal, but sometimes it starts becoming more of the same to an extent. I'm like, ah, right. Well, it's been like so long since I watched the first three seasons. Like, I don't even really like I remember them, but um, I don't know. It's just been a long time, so I can't really compare. I'd have to go back and like rewatch them. because the one like the cast is like it has been a long time. Like the the cast because mm-hmm. you know when when someone is an adult and you watch like five years later the show they still kind of look the same. It is what it is. But when someone's like a kid five years from like 11 years old to uh 16 i'm not proud how long that took me to add that up by the way but uh to 16 is like fucking a phenomenal difference you're like holy shit this person is like like the dudes are shaving and shit like it's different now you're like oh my god this is weird right like the show changes you were like i was watching children to all of a sudden you're watching adults enter into so that's why when children are in like those scenarios, yeah, it doesn't quite have the creepy, oh my God, horror story feel to it. But then later on, you could see right. where, yeah, it changes. It's, uh, it's, I'll, I'll dive back in and take a look. In terms of Breaking Bad, holy fudge, that is probably one of the best shows for character development you could possibly see. Mm-hmm. What that dude, I forget his name, Heisenberg or whatever? 
Walter, Walter White. White. Yeah, what the fuck am I talking about? Yeah, is that what his alias was? Okay, cool. Yeah, I was going to say, wow, was I off. <laughs> you, go, you go, actually, Walter White, Ryan, I think you have a different show. I'm not sure if we're talking about the same. <laughs> but, um, no, you okay, got it good. right. <laughs> but uh, the character development from episode one to the last one is freaking crazy. It is uh, It's one of the best possible character arcs interpretive development you could possibly see in any one given tv show if anyone hasn't seen breaking bad you gotta see it if nothing else for that um and it like the moments and the plot twist it's amazing Mm -hmm. i actually had tried to watch it like a few years ago and i like couldn't get into it so i gave it another chance and it it was really amazing (laughs) that's what my buddy was saying he was like couldn't get into it. I'm like, mm-hmm. dog, you maybe you just got to get past the first few episodes. Trust me, man. You know. <laughs> yeah. Well, that that the the first few episodes, they're like dissolving that guy in yeah. the bathtub, and it was just like, oh I my mean, gosh, like I don't know if I can watch it's, this. It's so relatable <laughs> on so many levels. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it was the wildest. And then when the tub goes through yeah. the floor, and like that's that's it. But when I was asking. When I was telling my buddy about it, he's like, has the tub gone through the floor yet? I'm like, what the fuck? He's like, he's like, you'll be hooked. When the tub goes through the floor, we yeah. got you. And, and we don't think you're in. Um, and how about food? What's your favorite food? I like spicy food. Yeah. So like Indian or like Thai food. Stuff with a lot of spice and flavor. Same. The problem is with like... yeah. That's the food. Oh, fucking man. I could eat. You want to talk about like naan bread and butter chicken. Mm-hmm. Like I can freaking eat naan bread, butter chicken, dipping the naan bread in the sauce. Like, I mean, I could eat. Some, the thing is, it's so many calories. All the best foods are so many calories or like, um, yeah, but I'm with you. It's, if it's spicy, I'm 100% in. But not, I mean, that's, that's why you got to go 63 kilo. <laughs> or, yeah, or 67 and a half a or 67 yeah that's it you go 67 and a half go. kilo no problems there um yeah. but anyways listen thank you very much for coming on the on kotl two hours um crush it easy obviously thank you for like the time you gave us is there anybody you, you want to give a shout out to while we have you in terms of uh you know sponsors or whoever well, first of all, thank you for having me on. Um, it's like been a dream to be oh, on Oh, thank you for saying that. Very nice of you. <laughs> so I remember like when I first got reposted on King of the Lifts, I was just like so excited. It was just, you know, amazing. So you have a lot of power. Thank you. Um, <laughs> uh, I guess, so shout out to my gym, TriFit Barbell in Malden. Um, my coaches, the strength guys. And also, uh, my sponsor, RP Strength, use code machine. There it is. <laughs> yep. So, thank you guys 100%. Again. Look, absolutely yeah. love to have you back for sure. Um, and good luck with training. Keep us updated on everything you're doing, the next competitions and whatnot. And maybe we'll have you on leading up or afterwards to recap shows or even just whatever throughout the year. Just, just to talk a little bit. Shoot the shit. But uh, anyways, <laughs> yeah, fun, it's fun. Yeah. It's easy. Um, so thank you very much for coming on. And until next time, six pack lap of that. And we are out. <laughs>